Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No. You're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society. How to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of. One that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on the Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hello, beautiful tribe. Life is so amazing and you are in it and I am super happy about that. Really happy about that. And if you're new to the tribe, welcome because you belong here. You belong here surrounded by your brothers and sisters who will lift you up and hold space for you to see your leadership and your power in this world. We had a breaking time in evolution right now. We're lifting veils and we're shifting energy frequencies and moving away 
discord. And even though it may seem like those things aren't happening, they are. This is a time of reconfirmation of the human spirit, a deliverance moment in the grace of humanity. You see, there is this structure that was built a long time ago that uses fear as a propeller or a momentum or even a threat to humanity to keep progress and to keep people following the rules and staying in what the system tells them to stay in or who to be or how to act or how to think or what to believe about themselves. Can you believe that? Someone telling you what to believe about yourself? Someone actually having the audacity to tell you what to believe about yourself based on per- on certain actions or ideas that you formulate about yourself. They have a box, a rule, and a limitation waiting for you just by you thinking about who you are. When in fact, there is no box, there is no rule, there is no label, there is nothing that defines you ever. It never can. The moment you do, the moment you connect into something far worse and far degrading. Because, you see, the degrade happens over time. It's how you make your choices and why you make your choices in life and how you tell people who you are and what you'll do and what you won't do is all governed by a system that's created all of these rules and conditions that they want you to identify with and put yourself into so that they can then classify you and manipulate you through that box. The awareness of humanity is shifting so quickly. And the more it shifts quickly, the more they need to generate a form of chaos in order to keep you distracted from where you really should be, which is with you. And when I say with you, I mean like really with you, like really identifying these structures of limitation and fear and labels and ways that you've identified yourself to the world, to your family, to your friends, to the people around you so that you can feel loved and accepted. Because the whole idea of being loved and accepted is completely overruled by a system that tells you how you can be loved and accepted and at what cost that means to you, what that means to you in the sense of how much of yourself do you have to deny, separate from, cut off, destroy, judge, ridicule, or just throw a complete blind eye to because it's not acceptable and it's not okay. One of the biggest groups right now that are suffering from this type of behavior is anyone who is not wanting to fit into that model, that very rigid model. You know, because the thing is, if we realize that 
the whole consciousness of humanity, right, has so many different arenas and thoughts and ideas of what that means that we continue to operate in this very depletus. We don't recognize what's happening because we are so busy wanting to get the accolades and the acknowledgement from people to say it's okay for us to be who we are. It's going to be a very uncomfortable road through evolution. Very, very, very uncomfortable. You know, right now, one of the groups that are suffering the most right now is the LALGBT community and or LGBTQ plus community, however you want to interpret it. I just say soul sexual, which is basically what I am and basically what a lot of people are. They just don't realize it. But basically, soul sexual means that you don't fit into a box about what love looks like. Love has many levels of of involving the structure of life that is much more based upon the freeness and the limitlessness of one's human being. The moment we classify ourselves as something like some people would love to classify me as bisexual because it makes it easier for people to understand me. So they'll say, oh, he's attracted to men and he's attracted to women. So he's bisexual because that's what the system says he is. The system can't define who I am. The system can't decide what label to place upon me and that I have to accept because that's what the system says or that's what some scholastic uh, doctor has now referred to it as or some psychologist or just some no uh, you know, brain person who thinks they have the right to create labels and boxes and limitations for people based upon their identity. I get to create that myself and so do you. But there are still people on our planet who attack people for being different. We have so many youth kids right now who are committing suicide, being thrown out of their homes and told they're ugly and stupid and dumb and freaks and everything. And they're not. And you know what? I'm sorry. I can't stand listening to religious people tell people who uh, choose to be with the same sex that they're broken. That they're broken, but you're okay because you believe in Jesus and you're going to go to heaven. Newsflash, you don't go to heaven because you believe in Jesus. You go to heaven because you learn to love unconditionally, not because you believe in Jesus. Jesus is the way of the, and they say, you know, Jesus said, I am the way and only person who can come to heaven is through me. He didn't mean through him in the sense that you actually come and follow everything he says. What he means is through him is through the love, the unconditional love that he held down on planet earth, okay? Where he emulated that energy as a possibility in the face of tyranny, in the face of adversity, in the face of haters and enemies and people who wanted him killed, still being able to step in that place of unconditional love and say the words of forgive them for they know not what they do. Well, you know what? It's true. They don't know what they do, but now there are people who do know what they do. And I'm not going to make excuses for them anymore. And I encourage you not to either, but it doesn't mean we have to get angry about the situation. We have to get intelligently smart about the situation. We have to get creative and proactive 
in the sense of realizing that every time a human being is killed or hurt because of their sexual orientation or the color of their skin or the way they choose to observe God or the way they dress, you know, the whole thing, right? And we are okay with that or we don't speak out about it using our resources, um, supporting, uh, volunteering, being there to support people and help them feel loved, help them understand how they can love themselves. You know, we have so much available gifts within us to turn this whole thing around. But it requires everyone to want to care about something more than themselves. Like, okay, yes, it's important for you to have a relationship and know who you are. Absolutely. And take that time that's needed to truly nurture and identify yourself from a place of love, not from a label, condition, or box that your mom and dad told you to follow or you weren't going to get this or that, or you weren't going to be loved and accepted. If you're basing your identity on things that you thought were you because that's what you were put into because you didn't want to be laughed at or judged or any of these things, then that's not you. If any part of your being is restraining, withholding, or restricting you from being who you are because you're afraid of judgment or afraid of not being liked or afraid of being ridiculed or afraid of people hurting you, attacking you, or pretty much just ostracizing you and disconnecting from you and alienating you because of some aspect of your being that they themselves feel threatened by, and you're doing everything you can to get them to like you and accept you and approve of you and want you and choose to have you be a part of whatever social group or family uh, that you're in, that is going against creation. The greatest sin against God is not the sin that people talk about in religion. The greatest sin against God is to sin against love. Because every time you do something to yourself or to another person, you're literally sinning against God because God created everything through love. So the greatest way to show your creator love is to love what creation created. The trees, the flowers, the birds, the honeybees, the everything. Right. And there's some things like creepy crawly things that I'm still learning to process in my being and being like, I love you unconditionally and I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to just take you out and throw you back into nature. Uh, But the thing is, we have to get to a point where we are able to truly understand that you can't live on a planet where you don't feel safe to be you, period. Like, it's crazy. Like, you can't be who you want to be because you're afraid that someone's going to judge you. Because life is based on experiments and experiences. Experiments is things that you venture into to experience so that way you can have that be like, oh, I know what that feels like, or oh, I've had that experience. And I realize that that doesn't really feel great to me at this point in my evolution. Doesn't mean it's going to always be that way. Or it could be, you know, you wanting to have an experience. And so you go through that experience. For me, my life was always about doing things that I've never done or doing things that made me uncomfortable and leaning into the things that made me more uncomfortable. And I realized like that how much power I would get by confronting my belief systems that the world set up for me, ideas and structures that were placed upon me 
you know, what they would call the taboos or the things that you don't, you don't do because you're not supposed to, because society says so. Well, guess what? I loved breaking those rules because when I broke them, I felt like, yay, I'm breaking a really big rule or I'm getting away with something that someone said I can't do. I'm actually taking back my power and it feels really, really good. And not only that, but I've enjoyed those experiences. I enjoy my experiences, my experiences and my experimentations that I've had because I get to decide like what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And if it feels good, I'm pretty much okay with it. The thing is, I look at it from the state of where people can say, oh, well, does drugs feel good? Well, they did. And there was a time when I enjoyed them and they felt really, really good. But then there was a time where I realized I don't need to be disorientated and I don't need to be inebriated to be able to have a good time and to function and have conversations with people at parties, at events and different social gatherings that I choose to attend. I also know that in the process of that, I don't also need to get caught up in the part of me that feels like I have to do something because everyone else is doing it because that's also not real. And that also doesn't generate a real source of power and strength in who I am if I'm just doing it because everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is going to march. Everyone else is going to do this. Everyone else, everyone else, everyone else, anyone else, everyone else. I'm like, remember in Sesame Street where you had like the odd man, everyone was doing the same thing and I'm the one doing something completely different. That's more me. And secondly, I don't have a problem with people's affection and energy. Like people can come up and hug me hold me. You want to give me a kiss on the cheek? You want to give me a kiss? Of course, with the whole coronavirus, we're not going to be kissing each other. But the point I'm making is I don't have those types of fears. I don't walk around the planet with a bunch of no's in my pocket, on my sleeves, on my shirt. I don't walk around. I'm more of a yes person, a yes and yes and yeah, and sure. And yeah, I would love to go skydiving, even though I'm afraid of heights. And yeah, I'll, I'll do that. You know what? It sounds a little bit crazy to me, but I'll do it. I'll give it a shot and see what it's like. Because to me, this is my life and I get to enjoy my life how I want to enjoy my life. And I'm not going to have some system, some matrix dictate to me how I get to enjoy my life. And I would say for you the same. Like, even if your parents or your friends or people are expecting you to be a certain way because of the fact that they themselves cannot handle change or can't handle you doing things that they're not doing. So it makes them feel threatened by your power or by your expression because of the fact that they themselves have put themselves in these little boxes and are scared to be judged and scared to be looked at any way different than the way they were told to be looked at from their parents and their parents, 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 and their parents, 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 and yada, yada, yada. I think you got the point. The point I'm making is, is that my father... I remember him saying to me, we were driving in San Francisco in his Mercedes and there was a car next to us with two guys and one guy had his hand in another guy's leg, you know, and my dad said, don't look at them. They're gay. I don't want their, their gayness to rub off on you. What are you talking about, dad? How can their gayness rub off on me? Just by you saying that to me has now made me curious about what is this thing called gay that you talk about? And what is this thing that can rub off on me? And can it rub off on me? Is it something real? I probably 
would say that if God put a tree of apples in front of me and was like, everything in the garden, you can eat all the grass and you can eat all of the roughage and you can have those nuts over there and I can have all these different things, but you cannot eat that delicious, juicy, yummy, plump apple that's sitting on that tree that when you bite into it, oh my God, do not eat that. Okay. I would have been with Eve and I would have ate that apple, especially if God was like, that apple will allow you to see everything that I see and more. I'm like, uh, yeah, that's a no brainer. It's almost like you're saying to me, eat the apple full. It's like, I gave you all the hints. I didn't tell you anything else in the forest or anything else on the land was this juicy, yummy, plump, delicious, like all enhancing, life enhancing, gives you the powers beyond powers and gives you the ability to see what I see. Don't eat that. Really? But you can eat that dry grass and you can eat all those dry herbs and all those different things and all that's available to you, but don't eat that tree with the apples that has that glowing beam of golden light on it that with that like with like angels dancing around it and smiling and laughing and you know don't eat that don't even go near it like don't even look at it like don't look at it well you know what i would have ate the apple i would have been sitting there with eve eating that apple being like oh my god eve this is amazing this is the best thing ever and you wonder why women get to bring life into the world because they ate the apple they knew what was up and they get to bring life because they earned it. They earned the ability to utilize their vessel to bring life. Not because of what the Bible says, where they were punished to suffer and pain and toil upon the earth. And no, they were given the greatest gift ever, which is to bring life. I don't get to bring life in my body. I don't get to have a seed go in my body and, and, and form a baby. That a life form with a soul and its own intelligence and everything and that my body is that it gets to be the body that it grows through and eats from and learns from and builds its epigenetics from and all these different things. Like, I don't get that. So, you know, hey, I would have eaten the apple, truly. So the thing is, is, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, I wouldn't eat the apple. Oh my God, I'm such a sinner. No, I'd eat the apple. I'd probably eat the whole tree. I'd be like, one apple is not enough. So the point I'm making is, is that, I'm not here to follow people's rules. And you get to decide every single day what rules you choose to follow and why. And why are you listening to what people are telling you about yourself and how they're telling you who you are and what you could achieve and what you can be and all these different things. You know, there's so many people in the world who need to hear that they're okay being them and that their choice in having purple hair or dressing up as a, as a woman from a man or a man being with a man or a woman being with a man or a woman and a man and a man being together or whatever it is that you want to do, whatever floats your fancy, okay? And if you want to wear a suit or if you want to wear baggy jeans, if you want to wear dresses, if you want to wear whatever you feel represents your expression from within, how you want to express yourself in this world, you should be able to do so without insult or threat. And that's the world that I spend my time focusing my energy on and shifting and lifting so that there is one day, way after I'm gone, you know, that someone will get to live on this planet and be loved and accepted and revered for being different and unique and be acknowledged for their uniqueness and the power that your, their uniqueness brings and how them being unique allows them to have a different perception of life which allows them to see blind spots that other people don't see 
and gives them clarity and information and things that they're picking up on because of the perception in which they're holding on to that created their uniqueness to begin with. So why wouldn't I want to be supporting that? Why would I not want to hold that for every human being on the planet? I'm not saying that everyone has to be um, soul sexual. I'm not here to tell you what to be. And I'm not here to tell you how to be. What I'm simply saying is it would be nice if we actually get a choice and that children get a choice to decide who they are without our need to put our input and our fears and our phobias and our rules and our regulations and our everything that has been the matrix has been feeding us since day one to keep us from being different and unique because different and unique is powerful. And if you look at some of the top celebs and musicians and people out there, the reason why they are who they are is because they don't follow the rules. They break them. They eliminate them. They, they illuminate them so people can see how ridiculous it is. And they even create their own ideas of things, their own experiences. Like when I wrote the book, Spirit Hacking, people are like, what does lit mean? What is a lit train? What is this? And what is that? I remember my publishers asking me those questions and I laughed and I chuckled a nice big hearty chuckle. And they said, what's so funny? I said, it's so funny is that human beings can only uh, be comfortable with the words that were given to them by a system that wants to enslave them. I choose to create my own words because I will create words that will be transmitted all over the planet. Why? Because it's time to create a new lexicon that supports new ways for the mind to think. If you were to hold on to the same words that were said by your ancient ancestors and use them to describe things and to understand things and to feel things, you're going to see the same lens. You're going to feel it through the same energy that they felt it through. There's nothing new, nothing gained. It's the same, same. I've heard, I know you've heard me say that before. The same, same is lame, lame, right? And so why not open our horizons up to all of these things? That's the reason why I choose to be soul sexual. Not because of the fact that I feel like I have to fit into something or whatever. It's because I enjoy everything that opens me up to new ways of feeling, thinking, and perceiving the world. Now, doesn't mean it has to be you, but it definitely works for me. And when I think about who I am in life and who I'm dating and who I'm with, I'm always very open with them by saying, look, I'm not just this one being that you're going to meet who's going to have like this nine to five job that's going to do the same thing that everyone else is doing. I may one day run naked on the beach. Next day, you might see me jumping out of an airplane. I might be swimming with sharks or I might even just be sitting under a tree meditating or dancing in the morning around the bed and singing Disney songs. One day the room walls might have all kinds of poetry written all over it and I might destroy the furniture because I might decide to start painting it different colors. You never know what you're going to get with me. Literally, I am the box of chocolates from Forrest Gump that says you never know what you're going to get. And that is how I choose to live my life. And you never know how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. I'm a very spontaneous energy source that is not about being held down or put into any type of limitations or any type of programs or any type of ideas or agendas. It won't work for me. 
And the moment you try to change me to fit into what you feel comfortable and acceptable is the moment our relationship will come undone. It's the moment I will walk away from your friendship. It's the moment that you will no longer be rolling with me because you can only roll with me when you understand that I am like the wind. I am not able to be put into a box. You can never find a box. You can never construct a box that will fit me on any level. It'd be like a waste of time. And in fact, I would see that you're trying to do that because your own insecurities of your own box that you put yourself in. And I would be like, exit stage left and be done and be gone. Because freedom to me and liberation is the most important thing that I've come here to teach the world. And that's not going to happen by following the rules. So I encourage you to live your truth as you see it. Not because your mom and daddy told you, not because television told you, not because your friends at school told you, not because some billboard told you, not because a magazine told you, because you actually feel it in your being. And if you want to experience and experiment, go ahead, live your life to the fullest. So by the time that your life is over, you can really say, I lived it. I loved it. And I had best life ever. That is a lit life. They lived a lit life. I lived a lit life so go for it I love you hey tribe so the tribe wants to hear from you and I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just you know things that you want to share with the tribe you can send that information to info at shamandurek.com and share your gifts with the tribe. Love you all and stay lit. This week's Tribal Share features Vanessa Hutchings with a poem from the new book, A World Like Mine. You can find her on Instagram at Rainbow Mermaid Girl at R-A-I-N-B-O-W-M-E-R-M-A-I-D-G-I-R-L Enjoy. This is Vanessa Hutchings and I am reciting one of my poems called Purpose. Purpose. Something I struggle to find. A goal, a passion, a love in my mind. Something lasting, something meaningful that will make me aligned with my truest self, refined. Shouldn't it be easy to be the person I'm meant to be? To see past the diversions and to set myself free? To unleash the expectations others hold on me? To get real with myself? past all inauthenticity? What do I truly want? A question I use as my guide to make my life wholesome, true self identified. But what about when I cannot tell that what I think I want came from a spell? Influences covering my true desire, unnoticed till disease has spread like fire. Time has been devoted 
that can't be restored. But when you know something is wrong, more time you cannot afford. So again, you restart, hoping this time will be different. A new hobby, home, or friend. The possibilities are infinite. Trust your intuition. Let it be your guide. And living through fearless love, your purpose, you will find. Thank you. Hey, Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. The Lit Verified store is open. But what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval by the tribe. I have tried each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced, organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test. No, not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched. Every CEO has been met with. Every ingredient carefully looked into the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. You're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamanduric.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, Tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And if anyone hasn't told you today how loved you are, let me be the first to tell you, I love you. I love everything that you are. And I'm happy that you're on this planet and you're honoring who you are. And every day you honor who you are and you show up for yourself, you show up for all of us. And that's a beautiful thing because we need you right now more so than ever. And we need you to be in your litness and in your power and in your leadership and recognizing that there's no one like you in the world. So you've got things to say and you have things to share and we are open and holding space for you to show up in that space of love. So I am super happy to have in today's share, Mona Sharma. Now, Mona Sharma is a powerful woman who is leading and 
bringing the level of quality and direction when it comes to health and wellness in the industry today. Not only just because the fact that she's all about realness and 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 that's really important when you're dealing um, in our world today because there's so many people out there who are claiming to know like what's right for you and what's best for you. And you know, for her, she's a celebrity nutritionist and a wellness educator. And and even in the idea of knowing that, it is the beauty and the essence of having a woman who is strong in who she is, bringing forth knowledge and wisdom to help us up-level our health, our mind, and our body together. Thank you and welcome, Mona Sharma, to today's share. Mm, hello. My hands are over my heart. Thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for being on the planet. I am so honored that you are here and that you've shown up and you are living you so that it helps us to be able to benefit from everything that you bring on a greater level. So I just want to thank you, really. I could say the same about you. Thank you for this platform. <laughs> thank you, my love. <laughs> so you are inspiring health, the health journey right now um, to put the understanding of holistic healing into the minds of people as an everyday lifestyle choice. What do you feel has been some of the things that you've noticed that has been taking people away from that? And how do you bring people back into that in an authentic and organic way? Yeah, this is a great question because I think when people hear that I'm a nutritionist, ultimately they think that it's all around food. And I can honestly say that food is really the platform to open up whatever these imbalances are. And I call it noise. You know, when I speak to people about the symptoms that they're experiencing, whether it's anxiety, worry, tension, bloating, gas, irritability, heartburn, weight gain, low sex drive, insecurity, you know, hands usually in the audience go up. And, you know, from an Ayurvedic perspective, we call this accumulation accumulation from not feeling nourished accumulation of too many, you know, things in your lifestyle that aren't fulfilling to you. And ultimately just not paying attention to the symptoms, right? So if any of these symptoms have resonated with anyone listening, ultimately you have to ask yourself, are you ignoring these symptoms? They're whispers. Our bodies are these like magical, magical things that are communicating with us all the time, but we don't necessarily listen to those whispers. And over time, those whispers they turn into screams as they did for me. That's what, you know, it's probably my gift now, but which aligned me with this work. And ultimately that led to addressing that you cannot heal a body that you don't love, right? You have to pay attention to what needs nourishment instead of this idea of what needs fixing. And so to answer your question, I think that there's a lot of distraction that's happening. And so in this time, especially with this, you know, pandemic, We've all been called to tune in, right? Tune in. What is the noise that's been happening? What's really important? What are the priorities? We've been called into our homes and truly our houses are our bodies, right? This is our home. So what is your home telling you to do? We get one home, one body for this life. What is it asking from you? Pay attention to that. Mm. You know, and you know, I, I love how you speak on it so um, eloquently because I think it's really poetic and real and authentic. Because it's not like you're just, you know, you just went to school and became this person. You've had your own trials and tribulations in the process of that awakening. Uh, can you tell us more about that and what happened and how did you come into this space of this like real true service? 
Yeah, so it was really interesting. So I have to take you back a little further so that you really understand the scope. So my father is Indian. He's East Indian. My mother is Danish. Uh, I've only ever known my mom to suffer from debilitating autoimmune disease, so rheumatoid arthritis. But with my father's insight growing up around Ayurveda, this science of healing the body, uh, he would take us to live at an ashram. So ashram living, basically it's a spiritual center where you focus on the healing power of food, movement, mindfulness. And I can honestly say that our summers living at these spiritual retreats was where I saw the power of mindfulness to heal the body. But the interesting thing is that I threw this all at the window growing up. So, uh, you know, waking up at five o'clock to meditate with your father is not necessarily enjoyable as a teenager. (laughs) So (laughs) who knows if I was rebelling or whatever it was, it just was not interesting to me. So yeah, I did. I took it for granted. So, you know, I went out there, I fast-tracked everything from high school, university. I got a full-time corporate job and typical scenario. Uh, I ended up working for a handful of luxury beauty companies and on paper, it sounded amazing. I had a high paying job. I was able to travel the world, work with celebrities and fashion shows and everything. But the truth of the matter is it was a corporate gig. I was waking up in cities, not knowing where I was. I was 40 pounds heavier. I suffered from debilitating anxiety, sadness, unfulfillment, Uh, My thyroid was completely out of whack. My digestion was down the tube. And this led me to having two heart surgeries. And this surprises people knowing about how I grew up. It wasn't open heart surgery. It was an electrical issue. So, you know, I would bend down to pick up something on the ground and my heart would just start pounding out of nowhere. And of course, I went to the doctor and they said, well, you've got atrial tachycardia. Let's get you in for surgery. And typical mindset, we want things fast, right? I was looking for the fast what pill can I take? What surgery can I have to make this go away? Right. So I had the first surgery and I woke up the next morning in the hospital and the palpitation started again. The surgery didn't work. So I went on the pill. What pill is going to make this better? How can I just avoid having to deal with this? What's going to make it go away? And so I went down this path for quite a while until they said, you know what, let's try another surgery. We went in surgery and I'll never forget it. Took a couple of hours, I could see my heart on a massive monitor wires going everywhere because you have to stay awake for the whole procedure. They inject you with all of these drugs to induce you with palpitations. And the doctor asked me why I was crying. (laughs) It's like, I can see my heart on a screen. I'm scared. I'm sad. I don't know what's happening. This is not supposed to be my life. This was a pretty big wake up call for me. But in that moment, I recognized how out of alignment I was. I wasn't nourished. I wasn't happy. I was living with these symptoms and I was identifying it with it because you know what, even today with my clients, you know, people would rather go to the doctor to get a diagnosis than actually deal with the root cause of imbalance. Mm -hmm. And for me, this imbalance has started from when I was a little girl. I was sad. I didn't grow up in the most happy household. And over time, it just accumulated to the point where it manifested in my body. And unfortunately, or fortunately for me, it had to go, you know, to be pretty drastic. But this is what called me to throw in the towel, quit the corporate gig. And I went back to the ashram this time in the Bahamas. And I lived there for two months. And I went back to my roots and I shut down the noise. And while I know that escaping to the ashram isn't really possible for everybody, here's what I can tell you about ashram living. Ashram living really is about showing yourself fierce compassion and kindness I don't really think it's ever been about finding yourself. 
It's about peeling back the layers of imbalance that you've added over the years that are blocking your true light from shining out to the world. And the reason why the schedule was so strict, as I mentioned before, you know, between waking up and meditating and chanting and breath work and yoga and eating healthy food and the cycle every single day that drives you crazy, what that does is it focuses on, you know, shutting down the noise that exists in your mind. Routine is something that allows you to kind of really stay the path. It doesn't allow your your mind to go haywire. And so this is exactly what it did to me. So instead of trying to escape because you don't have to do that, what of these pillars can you bring into your life? I say, bring the ashram to the city. I ultimately believe that if we use you know food as medicine, the movement is the therapy part. And of course, mindfulness, it's mindfulness truly that brings us back to the path whenever we're out of balance. You know, it's beautiful what you're talking about because, uh, and did you, did you have Seva um, when you were in the ashram? I did. Yeah. Because I, because you know, as you were talking, I could, I could feel the energy that still emanates from your being of Mm -hmm. your experience in the ashram. Because once you go into an ashram and and you create and you go into Seva and you go into realizing a lot of times people think they're actually finding themselves and what they're really finding themselves is a path of true devotion. And, uh, you, you know, and at, at that point is where you actually can see not just yourself, but you can see everyone. And I, you know, I've sent a lot of, uh, you know, people who have come to me and I'm like, you know what? You don't need to see me. You need to go into ashram and see yourself. And, and literally what I love about what you're talking about, because if we go back to your experiences, you know, what came up for me when you were speaking was your mother. And it was this, mm-hmm. it was this energy of being in the womb when your mother was operating in her behaviors and the consciousness of the withholding and the suppression and the energy of, 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 you know, sustaining, which is then creating that within your, you know, your blood flow and your heart in the way that your pulmonary valve and the way that your, your electrical system is being built and being formed. And then you go into modeling and I was looking at that and then you go into that world and I've been in that because I took a break from shamanism in my 20s. I got picked up for a model uh, as a model. I went to New York and did all the shows in Paris and New York. I was with Karen Models. And I can tell you, it was a very vacuous experience for me. On some levels, I love the beauty and the art and, you know, and meeting amazing people, but starving myself to fit into the clothes, um, eating really bad food because I'm starving for so long. And then we go on the smorgasbord of eating and then we feel bad about it because we want to get skinny so we can make money and get work again. And then, you know, and then going to the parties and, you know, it, it was just, it's a lot. And so I really love this really beautiful transition from the birth to like your experience through life, holding that energy for your family and then going into your experience of the, of that world and then coming out of that from devotion in Seva and really coming into true devotion and recognizing the greater you is the greater all, right? And the greater all is the greater you and then stepping into who you are today. It's like, oh my God, Mona. (laughs) It is so beautiful that you picked up on this. Uh, My father has always said to me that the vibration of the ashram never left me because my mom was actually there when I was pregnant. So that was her journey of, you know, turning into selfless love and service to herself. I think that it's a continuing practice for her today. Yeah. And, you know, like you, I got lost from this, but I think that 
ultimately what I work with people on is this vibration. You know, what if we throw diets out the window and start focusing on vibration instead? Ooh, and I say, yummy. I really <laughs> like, yeah, I think that what I, you know, no, I know that my power comes from helping people raise their vibration by changing their thoughts and their feelings that take them out of balance and feeling good. You know, vibration is a state that's connected to happiness and joy. When you're in this state, you naturally do things that are good for you. You can heal. You're creating the environment to be nourished. But we're not taught this. You know, most of my clients, they wake up in a state of anxiety, worry, tension, and fear. In this state, we can't heal. You know, you have to feel nourished before food can nourish you, right? And the more constantly, you know this, when you live in these lower, denser vibrations, this energy, the heavier that your problems seem. And if this is your language, then this is who you become. So I think that if you are able to shift your perspective and go back to what's missing, like how can you nourish yourself? What would, what would have happened if you were taught how to love yourself? This idea of seva, you know, selfless service to yourself mm, and yes. to others, but you have to serve yourself so that you can serve others. I had to be at the ashram to heal myself before I could serve others. Now my fuel, my fire, my drive comes from the essence of let me be of service to as many people as humanly possible on this planet because that is my, that's my birthright to mm. help others step into their joy and their happiness. That's where my healing has come from. Okay, so you're you're literally right now because you know um, my 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 dosha is uh, is is is, uh, is pitta, and literally <laughs> my pitta fire is like. <laughs> yes, yes, because you know the you. way because when you speak, you speak life into words, and and what and the reason why I say that is because shamanically, the the consciousness of evolution is governed by the words and the codes in which they speak. And that words and codes mm -hmm. then define the world in which they perceive. And then what they perceive is what they actually allow. And then what they allow is what, how they interact with their reality. And, and so it's, mm -hmm. it's what's so fascinating. And what you said is that you're actually speaking the things that I learned in, from my tribal lineage and my family in shamanism is that what you just said was so beautiful it's exactly that. It's your words. It's what, how you're choosing your words or defining, you know, these experiences and you can make them, these vibrations are following these elocutions of notes that you are, you, that you are bringing through your consciousness and through your words that you speak into the world. And that's what's uh, creating what you're experiencing because they're matching those vibrations. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about the, you know, being being healthy before you eat healthy and it's, or being in that, that's such a, that is such a, a paradigm shift for a lot of people. So that's why mm -hmm. I wanted to draw on it because mm -hmm. what you are literally showing people in saying that. And what I see from the shamanic perspective is that in order for them to understand what food really is, they have to understand what's going, who they really are and what is inside of them, that the food is just the frequency of energy that matches the frequency of energy from within. And so mm -hmm. if they're eating junk food, that's because they're junk from within. 
And if they're eating healthy food, it's because they're, they're matching that. And I just want to say like, yes. <laughs> to you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> In like a big way. Like you're amazing. So Thank you. let me Thank ask you. you this. Okay. So we're dealing with like pregnant women, right? Mm-hmm. Who are coming into, you know, they just, you know, they just, um, uh, you know, conceived and, you know, they're in this state of their body going through changes because the embryos building inside of them and so forth. What is the mm-hmm. things that you recommend for them for, for, for holism, not just for themselves, but also for their whole experience of this death rebirth cycle that they're about to walk into? All right. So I have two kids, a two-year-old and a five-year-old. My son, my five-year-old, he healed my heart. My daughter gave me my power back. So although it's tempting to get caught in all of the things that you should be doing and shouldn't doing, should this be happening, and the worries and the fear that come up with pregnancy is look for the, the lesson you know, get connected to the spirit and going back to that word vibration. How can you harmonize with your baby? You know, take a closer look in the feeling behind all of it, you know, outside of the the nausea and all the physical symptoms that come up. What's the beauty that you can find in the experience and the lesson? You, You reuniting with the soul spirit inside of you is, you know, I really believe that your children choose you you know, begin this relationship when they're in utero. Can that lesson start there? Is there something that you need to learn for you to show up more fully every single day? And for you to tear back all of those layers of imbalance for you, you know? I am really attracted to the biological and the physiological effects of our emotions and really how stress plays out on the body. And, you know, yes, this has to do with your lifestyle and your dosha and this changes as you're, as you're pregnant, but your body is going to respond to your thoughts, right? I think that, you know, with our bodies being these miracles, my God, if you can birth a human, you are a miracle. It's always trying to heal itself. But as an intelligent human, we have to listen and you have to nourish your mind and your body and your spirit first. It's like these three tridoshic things that have to be in harmony. And this is really the beauty of Ayurveda. Another way that you can think about it, if this sounds a little bit too out there, is I speak about the three hearts. The heart that is in your brain, the one that you know drives your thoughts and your actions. Your physical heart that drives your feelings and what you do every day. And the heart that lives in your gut, your gut instincts, your intuition, the thing that drives everything every single day. When one of these hearts becomes out of balance you know, something's lost. We tend to become lost in our journey. And the journey of pregnancy itself goes by so quickly. We miss out on a lot of gifts that it has to offer. So I would say, you know, use mindfulness, use meditation. And by the way, like meditation, your practice can look different from somebody else. You are here with your own unique constitution. Your practice, your diets, your food, your protocols, everything for you should be unique. So make it what serves you best. You decide. But every single day, make you a priority. Honor your spirit and the spirit within you. And I promise you, your journey will change. It will become an experience that's going to fuel, perhaps even ignite your soul purpose. And you know the one of the things that I find a lot too, and a lot of the a lot of the tribal members who listen, a lot of them all are biohackers and doctors and Wall Street mm-hmm. business CEOs and actors and actresses. 
and they live this very fast-paced life. You know, I mean, I know for myself when I'm not in this whole quarantine situation, I'm always jet-setting all over the place. And I know a lot of the people who come to see me who are like Wall Street execs, they run in and they're like, okay, show me Derek, okay, 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 okay. I have like, I've got like, you know, an hour right now because I have to go into a big meeting and, you know, and all these different things. And I tend to find a lot of my friends in that world, including a lot of the people who are listening right now, who do not, who will starve themselves. They will literally skip their meals and keep themselves going uh, because they feel energetic when they don't eat. You know, do you feel like that is, you know, the right thing or should I say the, the balanced thing to do? What are your thoughts on that, my love? In terms of how to run their bodies, you know, how to... Yeah. Yeah. So like, so basically what happens is, is I, you know, I get these CEO powerhouses, like, you know, these actresses and actors who are like working on film sets, they're doing this. They're, you know, they're, they're Mm -hmm. working in wall street. They skip lunch. They skip graphics. They just keep going because they have so much energy and they have so much to get done. They don't make time to eat. Is that, is that something that you recommend or do you do, what are your thoughts on that? I hear you. Yeah. Again, I think it depends on the your constitution. I know that for, you know, let's just take, for example, one of the biggest trends in LA right now, which is intermittent fasting, right? Intermittent fasting can be highly beneficial for some constitutions, but for others, specifically women, it can be detrimental to their endocrine system, their hormones. So it could feel good for a little while, uh, but over time you have to tune into what imbalances or symptoms that are coming up for you. And here's the thing, you know, we think about just energy, this is one part of it, right? When we think about honoring our system, we have to look at food as a nourishment. We have to look at pleasure. We have to look at fun. We have to look at community. We have to look at sleep. We have to look at creativity, fulfillment, um, you know, stress as well. So what other pillars are playing a role in your life? If you are high on life and like really high on life, and this is the energy that keeps you going, then yeah, we know today we do not need to consume the amount of calories that we think we are supposed to be, right? Some constitutions do best if we were to go back to our ancestors. We're not eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, specifically not breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, maybe another snack. This is a burden on our body, right? So to answer the question, I think that what fuels your fire? If you're high on life and there are no obstacles within you, no blockages within you, then do what fuels you. But the reality of the situation is that we are living in a society we're in a state of hyper wellness. I mean, everybody knows what to eat. There are so many diets out there, so much advice. The internet right now is so loud with uh, advice and tips and tools and everything. And yet anxiety-related disorders are on the rise. Disease are on the rise. Different types of cancer, autoimmune conditions are on the rise. Well, why is that? We have to pay attention to the spiritual features, um, the mental imbalances, the fulfillment that we have in order to live a life of greatness, right? And avoid striving for for perfection. You know, um, I have one client who, you know, like a bragging right. I fasted for 18 hours. I did it 18 hours, three days straight. Like, okay, well, did that really make you feel good? Did you feel like you had fuel? Did you feel empowered? Did you feel ignited? And they didn't, but they did it because they thought that they must be doing something good for themselves. Well, who told you that? The internet? Or did your spirit, you know? For me, it took looking at how my ancestors ate. 
So what's interesting with me growing up is that half of my side, you know, my Danish side was meat and potatoes. My father's side was this, you know, Indian vegetarian style of food. When I went strictly into this, you know, Atkins style of diet, which was more heavy on the meat side and fats and stuff like that, that's when I was at my sickest, right? When I honored my roots and ate foods that were nourishing, easier to digest, full of spices and stuff like that, that's where I felt honored. So to answer, you know, really, I think that um, what you do is going to change based on the demands in your life at that time. But stop trying to look for a system because I promise you that system is probably going to change. Yeah. You know, for me, I'm an OMOD. So I eat one mm -hmm. meal a day. Mm -hmm. And I used to eat three meals, but it would make me super heavy. And I noticed that when I eat anything past four o'clock, I feel miserable. So I started mm -hmm. to eat my mm -hmm. food around the afternoon time. And I feel fully energetic all the way into nighttime and before I do my rituals to get ready for sleep. And it's interesting mm -hmm. because um, a lot of people will say, oh, I want to go on the OMOD. And it's like, you know, I keep getting this message that comes from spirit. It's like, not, it's not for everyone. And I'm so glad you, you spoke it. on that because I feel like what happens is today is that we have all these trends and all these things being thrown at us from like television to billboards to what celebrity is doing this and who's taking this and who's drinking that. And I, I, you know, I really like the idea of people finding their own autonomy, their own way outside of all of what they're told to do or what they're supposed to do is according to this person or this thing that's showing up on this new uh, channel or whatever it may be to really mm -hmm. being able to kind of cultivate that for themselves. Beautiful. How long did it take you to, to figure out that that was right for your constitution? It took a while. You obviously went, it took a while. Yeah. And I think that if you're tuning into what's right for you, consider the basics, right? Like food is information. Everything that you consume has the power to fuel health or fuel dis-ease imbalance. So the food choices are essential. If you're you know, eating high vibration food, colorful, colorful food, um, give your body the nourishment, but then fine tune it. When do you feel best? Do you feel like you can thrive after eating a meal or do you feel lethargic and like you have to take a nap? My system is to eat more, more of my food in the morning. You know, I break my fast within one hour of waking up. I consume most of my calories before before um, before noon every day. And then my dinners are lighter. But I notice that if I'm avoiding dinner, then my sleep is impacted. And it fuels my feelings of anxiety, which was kind of like my blueprint growing up, right? So look out for the habits that were instilled within you as a child growing up versus the habits that are going to fuel the person that you want to become and what you want to achieve. There's a very big difference and expect that this is going to evolve. Ayurvedically speaking, we change our diet with the seasons. Your body is always literally changing as we speak right in this moment. So accept and honor that it could shift every single week, but honor what feels good in that time and lose the judgment. Because I think especially you know, for women, we have this judgment around, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have eaten that. Why did I do it? And the guilt that we carry <laughs> around this food, it's almost yeah. like the guilt is worse. The guilt is worse than actually eating the piece of you know, cake or chocolate, whatever it was. Just enjoy it if it feels right. Yeah, well, are they really eating the food or eating the guilt is the question. Is it the, Totally. You know yes. what I mean? It's like, what's, in, what is the, what's the real thing that's being <laughs> eaten? <laughs> you got it. But like, 
honor the intuitive eating behind it. You know, there's intuition. You can awaken this within your body by turning it on. Yeah, it's, you know, it's so beautiful uh, the way that you perceive life. I wanted just to acknowledge that uh, because you really see life um, in this very, how do I say? It's like, um, it's like you're living in two separate bodies. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's really beautiful. It's like these two, and these two separate bodies are observing one angle and the other mm. one is observing the other angle. And so when yeah. you're, when you're communicating, you're communicating both from the perspective of like what human beings are observing in their normal life. And then you're communicating from what's going on behind the scenes. And I think that's a really beautiful juxtaposition to be in when it comes to what you do and who you are. Because, um, cause a lot of times, you know, people will go into things and not really understand like, who these people are, what they're experiencing in their life, what the world looks like today and how it's, you know, how it's operating, but then not have the spiritual context or the, you know, emotional intelligence or the, well, the, the mental observance to be able to see how these two sides and how they're interacting with each other and what's really causing the problem for people. Um, and yet I know that you use a lot of things like NLP and all of these. Can you talk about that, that other aspect of how you bring about this knowledge because it's really beautiful and powerful. Thank you. Yeah. So over the past decade, you know, I would say when I first started, I was very much all about finding the diet. What's the right diet for this constitution and that one? And I realized it wasn't working. And I was able to start working with a lot of professional athletes and CEOs right away. And here these people were with, you know, the trainers, the acupuncturists, the personal chefs, you name it. And yet they still weren't waking up happy or with ease every day. And I thought, well, what is that about? Like you have everything. You've got the diet. We understand your biology. What isn't working? And a lot of it had to come down to, with these limiting ideas or beliefs. And NLP became you know, like a really big turn on for me because it allows you to assess your personal belief system. What are the thoughts that you've had since you were a child that may or may not have been fueling you? Thoughts that might continue to sabotage you. Um, here's a really simple example, and I'll give you one that's a bit more extreme. So for me, in the way that I was trained to eat, my, both of my parents were immigrants. So we had to eat every single morsel of food on our plate every single night. Even if I wasn't hungry, I still had to finish every morsel on my plate. So guess what I do as an adult? I eat every single morsel of food on my plate. In a more extreme scenario, I have clients who will you know, look at food as good or as bad, or I can't eat that, that's going to make me fat, um, or that food's going to make me sick, or I'll have to go and, you know, it's just not going to honor who they are. And these belief systems run very deep and they affect who we are. And the whole point around food, again, going to this idea of ancestral eating, we would have been eating in community. We would have been eating food that was blessed, food that was designed to nourish us, give us energy. Food is information to keep us alive. And yet we look at it as this tool. And this goes for everything on the checklist, right? I have to meditate today. I have to exercise today. I have to do all these things on my checklist. And the messaging with NLP is really to stop treating these things like a checklist and start honoring who you are, your spirit, and your constitution recognize where these patterns might have been instilled and decide that you can break free 
from them every single day. With my clients, I say that every single day is an opportunity to reset. There are peaks and there are valleys. You don't arrive one day till this day. I'm still working on what's best for my constitution, you know, dealing with hormonal changes. I think that life is always going to continue to evolve as a journey that it is. But the difference is that, you know, the slogan, you can embrace the journey or you can fight it along the way. And NLP is an amazing tool to really address what those limiting beliefs are that could be standing in your way from enjoying this one vessel that we have, this one body and this one life, this lifetime anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's what I feel like when I said you have two things, you're like the one part that's like, okay, yes, I'm the nutritionist and I'm telling you what to eat. But the other side is like, yes, I'm also the spiritual nutritionist. I'm telling you what to eat in your soul. And you, you know what nourishment to take in, and it's really um, profound the way you speak. I'm really in awe of your Thanks. of your of your language. Uh, so so you know we have we have uh, women who are going through certain changes in their life. Uh, you know we talk about you know uh, going into menopause and stepping into that that change within your hormonal system and how, and how your body is operating and when people are going through that it can become a very scary process of you know going into that into that shift in your body with all the hot flashes and you know all the things that people um, who are going through that feel what do you recommend for them to assist them in this transition for their hormones and how they're operating in their system Oh, this is powerful. So, you know, the first thing that we want to do is find the doctor, find the pill, find the diet, find the right protocol. And I would say that before you do that, first acknowledge the fact that you are not meant to suffer, right? With these imbalances. We're not meant to suffer with the hot flashes. We're not meant to suffer with the negative self-talk that comes around with it. The first thing that comes after the changes are, you know, um, the self-talk around, you know, I'm so fat. Why did I do that? Why do I look this way? Why is this so hard? And with these, you know, we call it thought power, right? The power of your thought that's communicating to your body, create the environment, create the vessel that can thrive first. And that first has to begin with the power of your thoughts. How can you fuel your mind every single day to step in alignment with healing? And then you can use food as nourishment. And when it comes to the foundation of what your body needs, I think it's quite simple. You know, look at what the earth gives us. The closer that you can eat from farm to table, the more nutrient dense, the more vibration, the more vitality, life force that food is going to give you. So focus, focus on the food that are going to give you life in an area that might be feeling like you are depleted or drained. And then there's this fat topic, right? It's not about going keto. You don't have to go keto. You don't have to go on a diet, but look for good quality fats. Are you getting the avocado and the good quality oils that make you feel good that aren't processed? Go for fewer ingredient labels. Go into your cupboards. If there are any ingredients that exist in your house that you do not understand, if there's packaged processed food, and the way that I really use this as an analogy, it's dead food, right? Food that's plucked from the ground versus food that you have to open up a box and a package from, living versus dead. Fuel yourself with living foods. And, um, you know, there's an institute called the Hippocrates Institute that's really all designed around healing. And they use the life force of, of green foods, right? So, this idea of using green juices, that's one of these trends that I can really agree with. You know, nourish yourself with green juices every day if you find that it's really hard to eat them. But what this will do is help you honor the ecosystem that lives within you. So if we were to talk, I would really spend quite a bit of time talking about gut health. 
Yeah, that's what and I was heading to, actually. Yeah. That's great that you're talking <laughs> on it. Yes. <laughs> so our gut, you know, 80% of our serotonin, our immune system lives in our gut microbiome. And when we're looking at our ancestor, the quality, the function of our gut microbiome today isn't what it used to be. And this is why I believe women are symptoms of PMS and menopause today are so exasperated compared to, you know, our mothers and great grandmothers and so on. So we have to optimize this ecosystem within us, trillions of different types of cells. So I know that you're hearing tons of trends around probiotics in the media, the probiotic drinks and the foods and the this and then that. Probiotics are great, but understand that there are trillions of types of strains that we can use, right? So use a probiotic on variety, but if you want to optimize your gut microbiome, there's two things that you have to do. One, mind your mind. This gut-brain access is so important. Your body cannot digest or metabolize the nutrients from the food that you're eating when you're in a state of fight or flight stress, right? Do we have stress? Most of us do. So mind your mind, manage your stress first, and then optimize, right? Re-inoculate the gut with what it loves. And this is prebiotic foods, things like jicama, garlic, ginger, artichoke, fennel, really fibrous foods. And the analogy that I use with eating the rainbow, when we look around, you know, these fibers, these different types of fibers that come from whole foods and vegetables, that's the prebiotic that becomes the food for the probiotics, the good bacteria in the gut. So instead of focusing on the probiotic supplements, always use food first, optimize the prebiotics to ignite the food to really optimize the gut microbiome. Yeah, I love how you went into that and you segued into the gut health because that's actually how I, I really was uh, wanting to, to bring some questions about the gut health. And since you brought that up, I want to go right into that. Uh, so when it comes to the gut health, what are some of the things that people should avoid that actually ruins their microbiome and actually makes it imbalanced? So I really think that um, if I were to look at my situation, if the heart specialist that I had seen had told me to go back and deal with my gut first, that things would have looked very different for me. I had grown up in a house where we were just walking on eggshells. There was a lot of tension and stress. My parents were you know, great people, but there's just a lot of tension. And I remember going to school as a little girl with stomach aches and I just couldn't explain it. This was anxiety. Anxiety became my baseline learned behavior. And as adults, and I think especially today with this pandemic, when we're living in the state of unknown, it's, it's fueled. So manage your stress and your anxiety because science is now proving that it's no longer, you know, that quote woo-woo. It's actually a fact that the state of our brain and our gut, they work in synergy together. So even on the healthiest diet, if you're living in anxiety and stress every single day, you are not metabolizing the nutrients that you need from that high quality diet. That's so essential. The other thing that we have to look at for gut microbiome health is obviously hydration. Are you having a bowel movement every single day? When I worked with Will Smith, the biggest question that we got back was, oh my God, I'm not supposed to have a, I'm supposed to have a bowel movement every day. Oh, I have one every few days. It's like, oh no, this is your <laughs> elimination system, right? So toxins within our body have to be moved out every day. And I think that for a lot of people, the reason why they think that this is normal is that it's become normal in our society. All of those symptoms that I listed off earlier, just because they're common does not mean that they are normal. So are you evacuating that 
all of those toxins every single day. We need this with hydration, good quality fiber from foods within our diet, good quality fats to help keep things moving every single day. Those are really, really essential. So um, managing your stress again, and then looking for the power of food and elimination to keep things moving. And when, you know, in, in process of keeping things moving, what types of things should people be, be digesting when it comes to fluids and liquids? You know, because a lot of people are saying celery juice and other people are saying green juice. Other people are saying turmeric. Like what, what would you recommend, uh, Mona Sharma, in, in that idea of digesting liquids? So I think that variety is key. Make variety your best friend. If you enjoy celery juice, you do it. If there's something about your constitution that's saying, you know what, I need to listen to this and do the celery juice cleanse, then go for it and notice how you feel. If it's not nourishing you and you get to a point where you just overdo it, because I think a lot of people, they'll start one thing, overdo it, they'll OD on turmeric, and then they go into the next, right? What if instead you could keep a roster? So what I do with my clients is I help them build their tool belt their tool belt of things that make them feel good about themselves. So out on their counters, they'll have you know this little tray. On that tray, put the teas that you love that make you feel nourished. Put your favorite honey there. Keep your favorite green um, you know, vegetables in the fridge that you can juice every morning if that feels good for you. Uh, one of my favorite elixirs every single day, I think that everybody should take in a little bit more Himalayan sea salt. So make yourself an at-home electrolyte drink Make sure that you're hydrated at a cellular level. So a little bit of Himalayan sea salt, half a lemon, maybe a touch of maple syrup every day and a really big liter of water. Teas, herbal teas that come from the earth. Maybe you have some herbs in your garden. The fresher that you can get it, the more beneficial that they'll be. And I think that people will be surprised at the impact of tuning into these kind of you know, nature's cures, right? Nature cure-alls. Yeah. Um, over time, instead of looking for the quick fast fix, right? What's the tea to do? What's the cleanse to do? Use these kind of, you know, right now I'm looking at two big pieces of cinnamon bark in my my mug because I, I love cinnamon bark in my tea, which is great for metabolizing blood sugar, right? Mm, so me too. instead of trying one thing every day, keep a roster, but keep it, make it look beautiful. You know, there's nothing more beautiful than looking down at a beautiful, bright, color, colorful plate of food. Nobody could turn down, um, you know, a great um, platter of colorful vegetables because it looks great. So create that in your house, make an area. It might be your smoothie corner or your juicing corner or your tea corner. Call it what you have to, but put those things out so that it's easy for you to create it instead of behind a cupboard where you have to think about it. So you just call that your health love shrine. That could be- You got it. Yeah. Health love shrine. I love that. (laughs) I love it. 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 And when it comes to, you know, people when they're operating in- how they, you know, when, cause a lot of times people will say, you know, well, I'm vegan. I mean, I know myself, I'm a cheating, I'm a cheating vegan. And sometimes I, you know, <laughs> I, I dab here, I dab there. You know, I'm just real about it. Cause I always say what true wellness is realness to me. So I, I, I got to be real about it sometimes. I don't feel like doing yoga. I'm not going to do yoga because everyone's doing yoga. But there are people <laughs> who like are very extreme and they're like, I'm vegan. I eat meat. I do this. Do you think consuming meat? Because I just had this conversation with my niece the other day with her boyfriend from um, Italy and about consuming meat. And he consumes it like pretty much every day. Do you think that's a good thing? And what are your thoughts on it? Oh, so this has been front and center for me growing up because my dad wanted to stay a vegetarian, but he would go out to these you know, corporate meetings and they would always be serving meat. 
So growing up, my mom would typically make, you know, a vegetarian dish and uh, a dish with meat. As I got older, as I said, I realized that my constitution is best on a vegetarian diet. Now, if I were to go to a medical Western practitioner and they were to go through my biology, they would see that, oh, you know what? She has, um, she's prone to becoming deficient in, she's anemic. Um, she's low in red blood cells, low in iron. So she should really be eating a steak every day, right? And then of course we've got this, you know, the paleo trends and stuff like that. I'm like you, you know what? I feel best on a vegetarian diet, but sometimes if I'm craving a steak, I will go out and I will have a really high quality steak. I will likely give it a bit of a blessing. And the following day, I'll probably take a lot of fiber to help move it through my body to make sure that nothing's getting stuck where it shouldn't be. But I think that, and I think, you know, here's one of the areas that might be confusing to people because it's so easy to say, like, try going vegan, try going vegetarian, try this first, try going on an anti-inflammatory diet. What is that? Removing all the inflammatory foods, wheat, corn, soy, gluten, dairy, sugar, remove those things for 21, 30 days because you have false cravings, kind of like false negatives. You actually don't crave chips and you know chocolate and fries or maybe the salt in the fries. <laughs> when there's an imbalance of good and bad bacteria in the gut, you will naturally crave junk food all the time. When you optimize the good bacteria in the gut, guess what? You crave foods that are great for you. And then you can turn on that intuition that I was talking about. If your body's craving, you know what, watermelon today, well, maybe you are dehydrated. It's about turning on that intuition. But I think that it depends on your constitution. Look at your ethnic heritage. Where did your ancestors come from? What were they eating? Have you tried eating like them? Did that make you feel nourished? Did it make you feel good? And then from an energetic standpoint, you know, since I've had children, the idea of eating meat doesn't really appeal to me. You know, I think about the animals and stuff like that, but I would never put someone down who did eat meat. Some of my clients thrive on a higher animal protein diet. So it really depends on your constitution. I love that. And that's true. I mean, I, I, for me, I realize that eating meat doesn't support me because I can feel the suffering of the animal in my body. Yeah. And yeah. I'm super sensitive. I'm like a little baby, you know, I'm like a, just I could feel like a little boy who can feel everything. I can feel the trees and the flowers and I can feel... So every time I even when I eat vegetables, I can feel the nature. So when I eat, if I eat meat, I can feel the suffering of the animal and I can feel its consciousness reaching out. So it's, yeah. it's so I just decided just to stop a long time ago. I think it was in my early, early 20s. I just made a decision that I just can't do it anymore, you know? And... What do you, and I just want to um, ask you in just regards to when it comes to like good, a good, healthy, you know, um, ignitary system for skin, you know, what kind of foods do you recommend for people who have really bad acne or are dealing with a lot of skin issues? Yeah. So if I see people dealing with skin issues, the first thing that I'll address is the health of your liver and the health of your gut microbiome. Now, what can we do to support our liver? Every single morning, wake up and do something simple have a really big glass of water with half of a juiced lemon in it. It will support your kidneys, your liver function. It will lightly stimulate a bowel movement to get things going. And then address your digestion. You know, what are you eating that could be causing the state of imbalance? Uh, a lot of my clients who consume dairy, immediate breakouts for their skin. A lot of my clients who had dysbiosis or the beginnings of irritable bowel syndrome or leaky gut syndrome, it would manifest in their skin. And this tells me that we really have to look inside. You know, 
treat any imbalances that you see on your skin as indication to what's happening inside of our organs. So, um, you know, lemon juice first thing in the morning, lots of clear teas throughout the day. Make sure that you're hydrated, getting at least two plus liters of water a, a day. Uh, lots of green. I promise you, if you were to do sort of a green juice protocol, you will notice the vibrancy in your skin comes back. When we think about food as having energy, the more energetic the food, it will show up in the vibrancy of your skin. So focus on those foods first. And it might seem challenging if you're somebody who really needs to change your diet and you know, you're used to eating a lot of processed foods. But at the end of the day, if you don't buy it, you can't eat it. It will not be in your home. So load your fridge up with these high vibration foods so that you get used to seeing those. And if it takes, you know, looking up one new recipe every single week, do that to really acclimate your taste buds to taste these things. Because I can promise you, after my eating out, drinking days, eating high processed foods and blah, blah, all of that stuff, and I went to live at the ashram, I will never forget going back home and I would eat a spinach salad. I could actually taste the sweetness that came from a piece of spinach. It sounds insane, but I promise you when you reacclimate your taste buds, it will manifest and your body will feel it. Thank you, Mona. You're amazing. Thank you. Oh my gosh. And I will say, please, please, please clean up your personal care products. What you consume, you know, you're hearing me talk about food it's not just what you're eating. It's what you're listening to. It's what you're consuming. It's what you're watching. It's what you're reading. And it's also what you're putting onto your skin. Adore your skin. It's your vessel. It's your home. It's your largest detoxifying organs. So read the ingredient labels of everything that you're putting onto your skin and choose wisely. Go back to nature. And I hear, you know, as we age, we can use a little bit of science. It's essential. I'm there with you. Um, but just be mindful. Build a mindfulness practice around your skincare as well. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I used to have really, really bad acne growing up as a kid. And then, um, you know, I went to go see a dermatologist and they were pre prescribing all these really chemical based things. And I remember like putting it on, getting ready to put it on my face. And my ancestor, my grandmother spoke from the other side and she was like, boy, don't put that on mm -hmm. your face. Change the way you eat. And it, mm -hmm. literally, I started eating more vegetables and cutting out sugars and doing all these things. I've never had a blemish on my face. And my friends are like, you never break out. It's because I'm really super about my liver and my face and like my gut and how and, and what I'm doing. And so I really appreciate you. I honor you, I see you, and I'm so grateful for you being on this planet and sharing so much wisdom and love on Ancient Wisdom today. How can people uh, have an appointment with you, learn from you? Do you have like, what are your, what are the things that you have out there that people should be getting into this to get more in, uh, in the, on the Mona Sharma uh, tip? Yes. Well, you know, connection is everything to me. So uh, Instagram is my platform of choice. So you can find me at Mona Sharma. Yeah, I'm going to go follow um, that right reach, now. Thank you. I will see you there. Uh, follow me there. Comment, you know, reach out to me. I love, I love the connection. If you go to my website, monasharma.com, uh, you can access my programs there. I also have the 30 day program. It's really about this idea of undieting and really gaining education so that you become the advisor for your body. Take control of your mind and body first so that you can move forward. Um, and just knowing what to do from that standpoint, it's really about empowering you first. And then the last place you can find me is um, Hickama Life. So, you know, you've heard me talk so much about prebiotics. I love prebiotics so much. I founded a company based on the healing powers of Hickama. It's a root vegetable. 
Um, so hikamalife.com, it's X-I-C-A-M as in Mary A, life.com. Um, you can check out some of my drinks there, but it's really designed to be beneficial for gut health. Uh, wonderful. I see also that you, um, you, you are on the TV show, The Doctors, which is great. Yes. Yeah. What an incredible experience. I was able to share a bit of Ayurveda and um, Kitchery, one of my favorite healing dishes. How did you like Travis? <laughs> oh, what? He was such a treat. He was beautiful. Yeah, yeah he's amazing. I, I go, I'm, on the, I'm a regular on The Doctors and uh, I just saw that and I was like, oh, so you know, you know the fams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> fantastic. Shaman, you- you are such a gift to this world. So keep shining that voice through. Thank you. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for saying that to me. I really appreciate that. I take that in, receive it. I nourish mm-hmm. it into all my cells. I, I, I'm really just grateful for you and try, please, please, please go follow Mona Sharma. You know, really take everything that she's saying because she speaks from truth, love, and devotion, as you know. And, um, yeah, I look forward to even doing an Instagram live with you so we can talk about some some quick and easy tips and um, and share that with the tribe. Uh, I love you. I appreciate you. I see you. I honor you. And I just, you know, I just hold space for your greatness. Thank you, Mona. Mm, I love you too, sweetheart. I can't even wait to, to see you in person one day to, instead of virtually hug you, I'll give you a hug in person. Yay, I'm super excited. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I hug longer than, than 10 seconds, just to let you know. So do I, so do I. Look at that, meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, honey, for being with us. Bye. Bye. What a great talk with Mona Sharma. It's wonderful to talk to someone so connected and deep and grounded in who she is and why she is. And, you know, and just the understanding of what it means to be a person who's here to be a health educator, a nutritionist, but not just a nutritionist, but someone who's here to really advocate change in the way in which we look at nutrition from a place of not just what we put in our body, but also how we nourish ourselves, you know? It's like a lot of people think it's about food. And I love that when she said that because it's true. A lot of people think it is about food. So they think if they, you know, they go work out at a gym and get the perfect bodies and eat the perfect food, that everything is going to be in balance. But they don't realize there's also an emotional content, there's a mental content, and there's a spiritual content. And if you just let go of those things but you don't focus on that truth of the there's a whole understanding of wholeness and wellness and it's not just based in you lifting weights or running or doing pilates and it being a vegan or you know a paleo diet or eating you know keto diet and just eating food and thinking that food and exercise is enough it's not And it's true because what happens is what Mona Sharma was talking about was imbalance is about accumulation. And what are we accumulating, right? So we we accumulate a lot of plaque in our body, right? Which affects a lot of the blood and causes a lot of high blood pressure and also can lead to strokes and all types of heart attacks and you name it. We also accumulate stuff in our intestinal areas, which creates a lot of mucus buildup which retains a lot of the food that you've eaten from you being able to get the proper digestion as well as accumulation of a lot of other things 
that we accumulate in our system, such as inflammation and, you know, free radicals, you know, things that are creating a lot of toxins and you know, just a list of things, right? We're just accumulating a lot of things. And when we do that over a period of time, our body breaks down and that's when we go into losing our health and our vigorance and our vitality and our strength and uh, and so many other levels it includes you know reasons why we have alzheimer's and why we have all of these you know mental um things that are happening in society today's culture that are you know where the mind is not being able to have the proper mental health right because if you start getting into understanding that the whole entire body is this beautiful living organism this beautiful instrument and what you know what mona sharma was saying is that the body communicates through whispers which if we ignore those whispers and we don't acknowledge them right when they first show up and that can be like a, a crick in your neck or it could be like you know a sensation in your knee or your stomach is feeling some discomfort or some blockage in your intestines or whatever it may be these are the little whispers that our body makes which is so beautiful because it whispers to us like hey something's not in balance here there's an over accumulation of something something's not in harmony and if we don't acknowledge it you know like mona was saying it can turn into screams and i very much believe that because i've had my own health journey and i've ha- i've gone through my own experiences of what those whispers turn into when not <laughs> loved and acknowledged and really heard right and when we get into that space of realizing that you can never heal your body unless you love your body. So you can't heal a body you don't love. And and Mona's right about that because your body is your it's you but it's your home, right? So so Mona was saying that our home is our body. And so what happens is the world that we live in, right, is wanting to distract us from taking the time to tune in to what it means to be at home that means be within the body right and what is it asking from us like you know what is it asking from us and are we answering to it are we answering to it from what it's asking from us so if we're getting bloatation if we're getting gas if we're getting inflammation if we're getting back pain or if we're getting you know health stuff and all types of mental things and emotional things and stress and anxiety and cancer and this and that and the other what is the body asking for what is our home our home right our house what is our house asking for you know it's important for us to keep our home clean it's important for us to maintain our home and do maintenance on our home and it's also nice to refurbish and replenish and bring new things into the home so that this that the home is strong it's a very strong foundation for us to be able to to be within and to be able to nurture ourselves and to be able to create this great wellspring of 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 really beautiful energies so that we can as an individual and a collective begin to bring that really good home feeling that home love into the lives of other people through the way in which we speak and the way we interact and the way that we connect and so I think that when we get into that space, we have to ask that question, are we answering what our house is needing for us to feel true nourishment and true sanctuary 
and true foundation and a place to really replenish and resurge ourselves with new energy so that we can be the best that we can be. So that energy then goes to other people and then they can be the best they can be. And before you know it, we're in this amazing like tidal wave of really good, good energy that literally makes it so wonderful to be able to be a part of a community or a family or a tribe of people who are actualizing themselves in this embodiment in this lifetime and really bringing forth the message of love and wisdom and power in its most harmonious loving state to be able to support people to see how amazing what a genius they are and how they're capable of so much like limitless capability right i mean i'm talking limitless capability the ability there's for you to see that hey why am i actually making something impossible so what am i thinking what am i feeling what am i feeding and nourishing myself internally and what am i feeding and nourishing myself externally into my internal that's creating these things that are creating discomfort in my life and it can be anything from relationships it can be everything from how much money you're making what kind of what kind of service you bring into the world and how it's making you feel what kind of home what kind of clothes everything is about bringing that wellspring to you even the clothes you wear even the clothes you wear even the way you dress even the colors you associate with even the music you listen to the movies you watch the friends you have around you the interaction with your family all of these things are a major 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 like point of pure referencing of how we're really doing because if you have dysfunctional like like people around you people who are insulting and people who are aggressive and people around you who are just bringing so much toxic energy into your life and you are responding to it by arguing and bickering and going through all types of different emotions and pulling yourself out of character into these other types of characters that are not based in love that are not based in compassion that are not based in understanding the greatness of every individual but because you are caught up in your pain body wanting to lash out and project because you're not able to come into that space of true respect for you and your autonomy and what your body needs your home needs what does your house need right now to be the sanctuary it needs to be. You know, I really love how Mona talked about ashram living because I love ashram living. Um, and, and the reason why I like it is because it is what she said. It's about healing. It's about, you know, understanding your power, understanding food, understanding mindfulness and understanding of movement. So the healing power, right, is what it's about. So you have the healing, but you have the power too. The power is in the awakening. It's in the understanding through the devotion, through the ability to be in devotion and what it means. Like I couldn't be Shaman Durr if I didn't wake up every day devoted to one thing, which is to make people feel loved by showing them love. Not because I have to, because I don't have to answer my Instagrams and I don't have to respond and I don't have to post up blogs and I don't have to do any of the things that I do. I don't really have to. I can go somewhere in the country and get a house with some horses and settle down and be happy and fine. You know, I can go to Norway and go live with my girlfriend in, in, our, in the house and just be live our lives and just do what we do. We don't have to have all of these things in order to be happy, right? I can find myself happiness and with the very little 
things that people would think they need, they can't have, that they would have to have more in order to be fully satisfied. I'm the type of person where I have less and I'm okay because that's because I have such a wellspring of love in my being. But however, I know that it's not going to be comfortable for me to be in that space knowing that there's this outer experience of all of these brothers and sisters who also deserve to have happiness and joy and all these things. I could have stayed in heaven, but I chose to be here on earth. And I chose to be here because I know that heaven's always going to be there. But what I, what I want to make sure is, is that my brother and sisters, which means all of you, are well-equipped with everything that you need in order to nourish and love and see and have devotion for creation, which is you and your ability to dream the greatest dream and the greatest possibility for everyone as a solid foundation of love to bring about what it means to experience a new paradigm, right? A new understanding, a new frontier, a new creation from God. Oh, yes. And it is so nice and feels so good to be able to see someone come into that level of power. So for me, devotion is being aware of the likeness of God in its all-present state omnipotently and omniscient and being able to see itself in that omnipresence, in that quantum field where I'm able to see all the many different aspects of God and ones that I haven't even met or seen yet, even with my physical eyes and my spiritual body and my emotional body, my mental body, but being able to bring all of that awareness into the moment of when I say to you, hello, how are you doing? And not go into that space of, hello, how are you doing? Just because I'm uncomfortable and I just want to give you some type of word so that way you don't think that I'm rude for not addressing you, but really engaging you, right? Because I choose to, not because I have to. And I want to say that again, because I choose to, not because I have to. I choose the engagement with you because I love you, because I'm a love being, because that's what I know. And when people are operating contrary to who they really are, it is a bit uncomfortable. Yes, I will admit. And it's disappointing. Yes. However, that is where they are in their evolution. In order for me to be in my best, it's in order for me to find balance in the world and know that not every single person is going to get woke. However, it's not about getting every single person on the planet woke. It's about being able to find those who want to express their wokeness into the world and use that as an anchoring for those when they're ready to come through their evolution, it will be already there waiting for them, right? So it's kind of like you kind of, you come to town and everything's already set up for you or you come into uh, understanding something and it's all there waiting for you. Everything that you wanted to understand to get more in your life, to feel fulfilled and to feel at harmony is already there waiting for you. And so that's what I believe in. I believe in this unconditional love and this awareness for creation, not for how you're created or how you look or the color of your skin or if you're male or female, if you're, if you're into men or into women or if you're into all or whatever, it doesn't matter to me. I don't really care. It's none of my business. And at the end of the day, what I care about the most is, are you happy? Are you feeling fulfilled? Are you have, do you have pain in your body, pain in your mind, pain in your emotions because you're going against the grain and you're not having true devotion with yourself? 
You know, and what I love that Mona said is that mindfulness to heal um, has to come from a place of enjoy and you know enjoying, right, and having fun and enjoying. And so the idea for her was that in the beginning, she didn't have that mindfulness yet. She understood she was, you know, her family was in the ashram, her father and, you know, going through all these different experiences like with her mom and then also realizing, hey, I'm working in corporate. She's working in corporate world, building anxiety, thyroid problems, completely out of whack in her body and then heart surgery and her heart, you know, is pounding and asking her to be to to listen right? To just listen, you know? And what she's thinking is, okay, what pill can I take to make this pain go away? What pill can I take to make this discomfort go away? And we've all been there. We've all been there looking for the quick fix. The quick fix is saying what? The quick fix is like, I want, I want the quick fix. I want to be done with this. I don't want to suffer anymore. I don't want to go through money issues anymore. I don't want to have bad relationships anymore. I want to meet that one special guy or that one special woman and be done with it. Or baby, I want to meet both of them. It doesn't matter. Like I said, the thing is, the reason why we don't get to that space is because we're not willing to, 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 you know, to go in front of ourselves and recognize that the reason why these things are happening is because we're not answering to the call. We're not listening to the whisper. We're not connecting to spirit, to the mental, to the emotional that is saying, hey, this is what I need in order to be balanced. Give it to me. So I can be balanced. I'm doing everything I can to sustain life for you so you can carry out what you came here to do. Give me sustenance. Give me nourishment, right? And that's important. And so, you know, Mona going down that journey of that corporate anxiety and all the thyroid issues and all that stuff, you know, sometimes we have to go down these journeys because sometimes people are like, well, I wish I made different choices, you know, and I was more like you, Shaman Durek, because I would have got all of this and I would have made different choices. But who's to say that you were supposed to make different choices? Who's to say that you made the choice that was necessary for the evolution of the planet and in those around you? Who's to say that those choices, those ideas, those things, those, those things that come to you, these ideas that you feel that the one, the reason why the one that didn't come, the one that you wanted to be there, but didn't show up or didn't make the date or didn't make it, did not show up because you weren't ready to show it up. You're not supposed to show it up because you were supposed to go down that path, down that road. So you can go through those experiences like Mona Shara did. Mona Sharma had to go through those paths of corporate world and thyroid and heart surgery and all these different things so she can understand the worst case that would happen if you were to deny those whispers that would turn into screams or what it truly means for someone when they're not nourishing themselves, both mind, emotion, body and spirit, right? What is that? What does that look like? How is it translating? What makes sense of it? And how do we get around the obstacles, the mental traps, the emotional pulls and the distractions that limit us from having that beautiful, profound relationship with ourselves? Which, by the way, having a relationship with yourself and I'm constantly engaging my relationship with myself and learning new and more profound ways in which to engage it, but once you start the process and you really start to fall in love with yourself, you begin to recognize all of these amazing capabilities and these amazing ways that you get to be and show up in the world, not just for yourself, but for everyone around you. And you also stop thinking in the very like I mentality and you start getting into the we, right, conversation. I mean, really, how could you not want to level that up? 
So instead of beating up on yourself and being like, well, I wish I would have learned these things earlier. I should have, or maybe I'm not this, or maybe I'm not that. How about just washing that off the table, wherever it is, just wash it wherever you are, just wash it and just go into a space of recognizing that everything you've gone through, every pain, every challenge, every hurt, every anguish, every annihilation you've been through, you're like the phoenix. You rise and you rise and you rise again to meet the information and the spontaneity that is necessary for you to reclaim your power in the most dynamic way that gives you the ability to see why that path you had to go down with to begin with was necessary, right? Why did you have to go down that path? It was necessary. It was a necessary path to go down to get you to become who you are, just like it was a necessary path for Mona Sharma to go down for her to recognize doesn't matter if she's working with celebrities or politicians or whoever it is you're working with. It doesn't matter because service does not put a label on it. It's about the relationship, the ethics of self. That means that which you've taken from the self as an opportunity, a guide, a, a pinpoint of reality, of the reality that you're creating by the way in which you're thinking and bringing these ideas to the forefront of conversations and the way in which you speak and so forth and so on. So when she saw her heart in that surgery, because they keep you awake, you know, she started to cry. She cried because she was scared and sad. She wasn't living happy and free and nourished and in balance. So her imbalance, since she was sad, you know, created more and more difficulty instead of allowing it to come through and saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to confront this sadness and realize that at the, at the other side of this tunnel that I'm about to venture into, there's this magnificent, powerful light. Oh, wait a minute. It's not the end of the tunnel. It's me coming out of the tunnel. I've been the light inside the tunnel the whole entire time. Go figure, right? So again, you want to keep it on that very beautiful understanding, more compassionate, more understanding, deep wisdoms and all of those things in between because that is where the energy is most powerful, right? She wasn't living this happy, nourished life until the imbalance came, until she was able to go in and be able to shut down the noise and be able to recognize that her experience at the ashram was about living fierce with compassion and kindness. And that was being ingrained into her just through her life experience and the way that she was perceiving information and why she's able to bring it to the world today in such a huge global community and also a community that really does, that needs it to be a part of their design. And so when you peel back those layers of imbalance, you begin to recognize that there is this great beautiful energy that is waiting and resting and able to connect with you when you are truly ready to harness, own, and appreciate that feeling of that connectedness, that energy, that energy. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's powerful to be able to welcome that into your life instead of beating up on yourself welcome those choices that you made instead of hammering yourself, welcome those choices instead of crucifying yourself 
and making yourself seem like you're this horrible bad person so that you can go out and people please more to to kind of make up for the quota of the bad person you think you are when in fact it's no more truth in that other than the understanding and the understanding of the proclamation that comes in in witnessing and recognizing how powerful you are when you come into that state and you begin to realize I am not happy. I'm not okay. I don't like this job. This relationship isn't amplifying love. There's pain in my body. I don't feel comfortable. The food I eat makes me heavy. It makes me sick. I don't feel happy and comfortable with the situations when I'm with my friends having conversations. I don't feel loved, supported, and acknowledged by myself in that process. So yes, I am making a proclamation that is declaring the imbalance being real. And now I get to dream, connect, and open up a new understanding of what balance looks like as according to our modern time, and then facilitate that as truth into my every cell of my being. This is how we get to a deeper place when it comes into just not like what Mona was saying, nutrition but taking nutrition to another level. Taking nutrition, not just by the food you eat, but by the words you hear to your, and say to yourself and the things you take in and the feelings you feel all need to be elevated so that you are getting the highest amount of nourishment in your beingness. So that way, you then bring about the understanding of when your body whispers to you, it's saying, hey, something's unbalanced and I know you love me so you care to find, the, find what's in balance by asking, connecting, and listening and then being able to make the change about in order to make the change, right? The change is like, the change already happens in the mind and the emotions before the body even gets whiff of the change which is so amazingly cool if you ask me. Like, I'm talking too cool for school because the change takes place when the mind already perceives it. Just like you can't make anything happen unless you happen from within. You can't move anything unless you move from within. You can't bend anything unless you bend from within. Everything is a space onto a space. So as you create from within, you create from without. The energy above as below is the energy signature of the frequencies that are operating in simultaneous energy fields that are operating. So if I'm not choosing to see and love myself, then I'm going to believe that the world can't see and love me. If I'm not able to see that I'm worthy and valuable, then the world is not going to be able to see and value me. The energy of the inward becomes the energy of the outward because there's no duality there. It is equally in the same. The the energy frequencies are operating in a holographic form. So when we put food in our body, we have to understand it's not the food that we eat because we're like, oh, I want a hamburger. It's not the hamburger we're eating. We're eating the essence of energy. The frequencies of energy is what's going in our body. The nutrients level of those frequencies are combinations of different things that those things are happening within the hamburger or within the carrot or within the celery stick or you name it. The energy frequency is what we're digesting into our being. It is the it is what we are taking in. So you can eat a hamburger and someone can feel a lot of energy. Another person can eat a hamburger and feel very heavy. It's it based on the chemistry or is it based on the energetic chemistry 
that is taking place within the synthesis and the intellect of your being based on the energy of that hamburger. That's why some people get really excited when certain things happen and others don't. It's because there's a signature, a frequency that connects, a frequency that allows information to be shared with one another in a harmonious way without there being any type of hammering or anyone being angry, but more from a place of, wow, I get to experience this and I don't even have to be afraid of it because experiences to me are me passing through different energies and the ones that I feel really connected to are the ones I'm going to pull in regardless, right? And so the key element there is like what she went through is like going through that process of crying because she was scared and sad, but it wasn't that she was scared and sad. It was more that she had uncertainty of the energy or the pictures that would follow and that created the fear. And that's what we call the unknown, right? So when we realize that, we realize that that for us, we have to come into a space of recognizing, you know, what that means for us individually. What does it mean? What does it mean to truly nurture yourself, nurture yourself and nourish yourself, not from a place of, I'm going to do this because it's going to irritate you because I want you to be upset. And and no, 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 that's not nourishing at all. That's just drinking bottles of poison. Woo. I'm talking about true nourishment. I'm talking physical, emotional, mental, spiritual nourishment that you are filling your vessel up with all that is good. Woo. Woo. Can I get an amen or an a woman? Should we say the thing is, is that the nurturing aspects come in when we begin to recognize that it's not just the food, it's the environment, it's the energy, it's the, it's, it's the colors, it's the everything that is either making or breaking us based upon the frequency codes that we're taking in and nourishing ourselves with. That's why it's very mindful to not engage in those very distant, uh, scary, like, you know, energies that we see so much projected into Hollywood and movies and so forth. Because the mind doesn't know the difference. The mind only knows the difference based on what it feels and doesn't matter. So you're going to experience fear and you're going to feel, you know, your body, you know, being filled up and released and all these different things happening chemically to you because you're unable to see the bigger picture. What is the bigger picture you're asking me? Like Shelton Dirk, what is the bigger picture? The bigger picture is no matter what you say and do in this world, it does not matter until you understand what you are saying in your inner world. Your house, your house has to be in order. Get your house in order. Get your your queen, your kingdom in order so that you are ready, equipped and able and you recognize true devotion, right? The true devotion is how do you bring that true devotion into your life how do you accept that true devotion into your life or does it come with a bunch of strings and attachments so the way I always say it is see yourself right so to see yourself to see yourself to see it to just see it you have to be willing to see everyone if you can't accept certain things in society and reality because you're not nourishing your mind and your emotions in the right way, then you're only going to be able to perceive and understand the perception, which is that this person 
is not going to be able to fulfill those things that you would want fulfilled, right? So it's about realizing like, oh, wait a second. Am I really engaging in this from a soul level? Or am I just engaging in it from a, from a, you know, a peekaboo level, right? Peekaboo, I'm just going to peekaboo around the corner and see what everyone's up to, but I'm not really going to engage and I'm not going to build devotion. And it's really about seeing yourself in order for you to see everyone. If you can only see parts of yourself, that's all you're going to see in society. So the greater, the greater all is the greater you, right? So loving the greater all is loving the greater you. And we must rise and lift and shift and raise our vibrations of joy and happiness so that the people who are in that state of that purgatory, that type of very dense frequency energy is being loved and acknowledged and seen to come home in the light in that moment because we're not operating out of our pain bodies that wants to project onto everything around us with judgments and opinions. No one wants that, right? We are going into a new understanding where we can start to accept instead of what they tried to teach us, what they taught us to see was the state of norm that we don't really need to be seeing because the true state of norm is the ones who are operating from this place of true liberation and not caring about what someone may say because they do it this way or they do it that way and just allow it to be, right? So we are taught to see that this is a state of normal. That's not normal. That's invasive. That's abusive. That's not okay, right? And all those things become that because you're not giving the child or the person the space to be able to discover who they are. So what, we, what we're operating here is to nourish the self. Yes, of course. Eat the food, nourish yourself, make sure it's good, make sure it's raw, make sure it's good and honey to your taste buds, to your soul, to your being, right? But then also, we also have to be mindful of recognizing the spiritual components of us bringing that into our life. So you need to be nourished in the spiritual before food can nourish you. Again, I'm going to say that again. You need to be nourished. You need to be nourished. Remember that. You need to be nourished in the spiritual before food can nourish you. So it doesn't matter what food you have. If you're not nourishing yourself spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, you're never going to really taste the true essence of that frequency, which is food that is being governed for your house. You understand? So this is the power that we have. And that's why I love this conversation with Mona Sharma. She is so bright, so powerful, so intelligent, and such a goddess. And I'm happy to have had her on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Love ya. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill 
or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others, your partner, your children, coworkers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all of that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple. Join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit.